0: Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're gonna laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's gonna inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Now I'd like for you to stand, and hold your Bibles up with me. <laughs> Say, This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the word of God, and I boldly confess. My mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You see it. seated. You know, from the looks of the crowd, I, I thought this weekend was the gun show. It's supposed to be next weekend, but I think some people may missed that. Well, today, we're continuing this series, What's Up?, and today, we're going to talk about stepping up in our lives, stepping up our commitment, not just to church or a goal, but stepping up your commitment to yourself, to become the very best you that you can become. And I think it's very important because sometimes we're, we're told, if we think about ourselves, that... Um, you know, that's, that's arrogant, self-centered. But the reality is, until you can love you and be kind to you, you'll never love anyone else or be kind to them. So it's very important that today you begin by saying, I'm going to step up my commitment to myself. Now, I, I mean, I'm going to become the best version of me that I can become. And that's not easy because if we're going to do that, we have to... Uh, be honest about our flaws and our deficiencies. In my greatest crisis, I found the greatest me. Not because I wanted to, but because I knew if I didn't, that crisis would live me, with me the rest of my life. But if I could use that as a stepping stone or a platform to look and say, okay, what, what opens the door to sin or crises in our lives. And quite frankly, what I found is most of the time it's unawareness. We're not aware of our flaws. We're not aware of our weaknesses. We're not aware of what we're susceptible to. We're not being our best us. We're just focused on creating a perception that makes you look at me and go, he's got it all together. They're really doing well. And that's what most people do in life is live a life outside the house that causes everyone else to go, they're really a nice person. They're really something. They really got it all together. And then you come home and close the door and you have to live with the story that you've told others or presented to others, not because you're mean or evil, but because we're so afraid of what other people will think about us. And that that incarcerates us in life we, we live it's like we get we get a weekend pass and then then we go back home and we're imprisoned by our own realities and our own truths and I want to say this you are wonderful and beautiful in the eyes of God and that if you could just understand God sees every flaw every problem, every vulnerability that you might have. And he loves you as though you were perfect because in his eyes, you are. Why? Because his son died. His perfect son died and he lives in us as we're born again. He lives in us. And that he said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. You have to love you. And hopefully today, this will help us walk through this in, uh, Bible says, in everything you do, stay away from complaining and arguing so that no one can speak a word of blame against you. So you say, what do I have to do to live my life? Well, don't be a whiner, don't be a complainer, and don't be argumentative. This is very difficult uh, to deal with in our human nature uh, because all of us want to be right, we want to be heard, we want to, you know, and so... We complain about maybe what somebody else does, somebody else says, we argue, we do all those things, and there's no peace in that. Uh, you, you are nothing more, and I am nothing more, than a, a disseminator of information. Uh, I, I, I can disseminate the information I have. That information may be right, or it may be wrong. But in that moment, it's the information I have, and I believe in sharing it with you. And if you totally disagree that's okay. You know, many relationships go south and sour simply because two people don't see things the exact same way. Let's take, for example, there are four gospels. And when I was in the school of theology, there was always the debate, why do we have four gospels, four uh, descriptions of the life of Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Do you imagine for a minute that when Matthew finishes his letter, and Mark goes, now, that's just too wordy, and you're, you're not writing to a Gentile crowd, you're writing to a Jewish crowd, and I think I can one-up you. But then you have Luke who goes, well, Matthew's writing to a Jewish crowd, Mark just is getting to the point, thus. But Luke was a physician, and Luke said, let me write this a little more professionally. And then John's writing from the perspective of his relationship with Jesus because he was, he was so a sensitive person. He's thinking, I need to write a better... So you see where I'm coming from. <clears throat> but <clears throat> there should not be any debate that... Uh, one professor described it like this. He says, you know, they're, they're, you're standing at an intersection. On one corner, Matthew's standing. On another corner, Mark is standing. On another corner, Luke is standing. And on yet another corner, John is standing. And and each of them, if there's a a traffic accident in the center of that intersection, guess what? They all have a different perspective. You can't see it from every point. And so the point is, we need each other to give us information from another point. You're always better if you hear what people have to say that you don't know about what they're saying. You've never thought about it that way. It doesn't mean you have to agree. Matter of fact, many people get mad at people who are atheist, agnostic, Buddhist, Muslim. And and, uh, even though I don't agree with any of those positions, it doesn't mean I have to be divided from the people who hold those positions. In fact, that would be the worst thing that could happen because God wants us to have that one perspective on that street corner that says, here's my perspective. And guess what? When someone shares a perspective instead of a mandate... We have a tendency to listen a lot better. If somebody comes up, if you don't believe what I believe, you're going to hell. I know that we've all been approached by those people. They're called the turner Burn religion. And uh, in their minds, they hold the lighter or the matches. And so in uh, Matthew chapter 23, verse 11, it says, do you want to stand out? Now, here's what I want all of you to discuss. When I say this, there are those of you with a great deal of false humility that say, I, I, don't, I don't want to stand out. I don't want to be. Everybody wants to stand out. Some of you have just given up. And When I say stand out, not in an arrogant way, but let's face it. Every human being on earth wants to be loved and noticed. And that's okay. That's how God made us. And it may not be that you want to be loved and noticed by a crowd, but everybody wants to be loved and noticed by somebody. And uh, that doesn't mean that you have in the sensual sense, doesn't mean the sexual sense. It just simply means this, that, that we all are hungry to have relationships and to be heard. And so the very first thing that has to happen is you have to step up your commitment to you. And as I talk about this, obviously many people don't even serve in the church, not because they don't want to, but because they're afraid to. You're afraid of doing something wrong. You're afraid of being misunderstood. You're afraid of somebody not liking you. You're afraid of saying the wrong thing. You're, you're so afraid of other people's opinions that you have a, a sense, a soul paralysis to, that prevents you, from enjoying the life that Jesus gave you. And, and you know, it's, it's so important that we, we understand these facts so that we can move forward. Some of you are already dreading Christmas, thinking I'm going to see family members, and they're going to have an opinion of me. I'm not as successful as them. They're going to have an opinion of me. Listen, I'm going to tell you, the people that will, will be most remembered are not the people with the most money. They're the people with the most love and the most kindness. Those are the people that will be remembered. The people that, when, when they left your presence, they went, I feel so much better having been around them. They encouraged me. They loved me. They were kind to me. And so some of you are trying to measure your life by success, by materialism, by things. And there's nothing wrong with having stuff. There's only something wrong with stuff having us. So if you have stuff, that's fine. But, but your stuff... It's really, really not as impressive as you might think. And uh, what's really impressive, though, to me, is somebody who can have a a conversation with anybody. And and in the midst of that conversation, there's grace, there's mercy, and there's love. And, And so the Bible says that love never fails. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And where sin abounds, grace does more abound. So if we can operate and live our lives in such a way that we demonstrate those qualities, I believe that Christianity will flourish. But I've watched many talk shows with with pastors and Christians debating non-Christians or even other religious leaders. And I just thought, you know, it saddened me that, that the debate was so heated that why would I want to be a Christian? You're no different than anybody else. You know, and I believe one of the greatest lights that we have is is our ability to be kind in the midst of animosity. And so it says, do you want to stand out? Then step down. Be a servant. If you puff yourself up, you'll get the wind knocked out of you. But if you're content to simply be yourself, your life will count for plenty. So before we can step up, we have to step down and and realize that really the step up is a step down. In other words, I'm not trying to achieve uh, uh, success as the world would see it, with being president of something, the head of something, the CEO or CFO, but the reality is my life is not defined by the titles given in a corporation, but by the one title given in my faith called being a Christian. So commitment means the ability to bind oneself emotionally and intellectually to an idea or task that needs to be completed. Our greatest task is to run our race in life, to fight the good fight, not the bad fight, the good fight, and to keep the faith. That's what Paul said. And so running our race is filled with distractions, criticisms, hatred, uh, worldviews that, 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 that uh, we would disagree with. And it's so important that we love everyone regardless of how they identify with us. And, and what happens, religious people say, well, if I love people that are living wrong, then I'm endorsing their behavior. No, you're not. You're endorsing their person. That's what Jesus did. He endorsed the person. He went to Zacchaeus' house. He didn't say one word to Zacchaeus. You need to get things right, you little thief. First off, you need to grow about a foot. (laughs) Then you need to pay everybody back. Jesus just walked into the house with love, and Zacchaeus starts going, I'm going to give back half half of everything. And and Zacchaeus just starts running off at the mouth because he's just in the presence of pure love. How many of you know that when people are stupid, they typically know they're stupid? (laughs) And the problem is that when you confirm their stupidity, it makes them even more angry. Versus saying, you know what, I I, I can see brilliance in you. I can see love in you. A person that's filled with hate, they just haven't unearthed their true person that God made them to be. It's just not unearthed yet. It's still covered by the residue of a fallen world that is filled with anger, fear, and all of the things that keep us from living a life filled with joy. And I tell you, I had a birthday, and I am so much closer to heaven. (laughs) And the closer I get the more I realized that so much of my life in the past wasn't really thinking of heaven. It really wasn't thinking of representing God in a way that would cause people to want to know the God I serve. And so the rest of my life will be the best of my life because I realize now, yeah, (laughs) that I spent most of my life wanting people to be like me, even though I sucked at so many things at least we could suck together. And now I realize that I don't want anybody to be like me. I want everybody to be like Jesus. So my best effort is to be as much like Jesus as I can and then ignore the rest. And so when I talk about commitment, I want you first to be committed to you. And this is so rare that one person wrote, the very fact that we make such a to-do over Golden Wedding Weddings indicates our amazement at human endurance. That, that it's like, wow, you made it 50 years. and Everybody's surprised. You're not celebrating the fact they stayed married 50 years. You're celebrating the fact that they're in pain and they endured. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. You bring two people together under one roof and you realize how different you really are. And it's like, well, yeah, we made it. And you want some kind of plaque or trophy because you made it. Instead of saying, I don't need a plaque, I don't need a trophy, because I got the one that made my life so much better that it wasn't even difficult. (sighs) Oswald Chambers says, believe what you do believe, or believe what you do believe and stick to it. But don't profess to believe more than you intend to stick to. If you... Say you believe in God or believe God is love, stick to it, though all providence becomes a pandemonium shouting that God is cruel to allow what He does. And that's the world in which we live. If God's such a good God, why does He send anybody to hell? I'm going to load your gun right now. It's a very simple answer God sends no one to hell. We get to choose our eternal dwelling. He said, I'm going to let you choose. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. He said, choose life. He gave us the answer to the test. Remember when we were kids, there was always a key to the test. And, of course, if you grew up in the era I grew up in, we knew where the key was. And all you had to do was get the key, and you had the answers to the test that you were about to take. God went ahead and said, look, I, there, there are going to be tests in life. He doesn't tempt anyone, but there are tests. The tests are there to help us see where we are so that we can get better. Not to punish us, not to show us we're dumb, but so we can get better. But God says, in order for you to get better, you need to know what to do to get better. So the tests in life are going to come with the key from God. And he's going to let you know how to handle every test. If somebody, you know, curses you, he said, bless them. I think I got the wrong key. (laughs) My neighborhood says somebody curse you, you curse them back. God said, no, no, no. The key is if somebody does that, you bless them. If someone's mean, you're kind. If someone hates, you love. Simple in theory, simple speaking, but the reality is when somebody's just a true blue idiot to you. No, I'm telling you, I was uh, uh, Susan. Susan and I went to a restaurant, kind of pre-birthday, because we we were busy yesterday. And so, um, I'm I'm trying. I walk in. It's a new restaurant. We wanted to try it out. And, and the lady that was hosting was very nice. But then all of a sudden, Humpty Dumpty come walking in, <laughs> bouncing in, and I'm telling you, she was just vicious. You don't have a reservation? I said, well, I was told we couldn't get one. I can get you one two weeks from now. I said, well, I'm here tonight. (laughs) Would really like to eat tonight. And she's kept on. And she, you know, I was just, I I smiled and I went, well, you know. I mean, you have to understand, everything in me (laughs) wanted to go full M.M.A. I mean... I, want, I wanted to just throw her up against the fence. And so she walked away for a minute, and I asked the really nice hostess, I said, who is she? She said, well, she's the co-manager, and dad owns a restaurant. I said, not for long, with a daughter from hell. Anyway, so, but I didn't say that. I smiled. And guess what? I end up getting probably the best table in the restaurant when they said you're not going to get one. Now, you got to understand how proud, in this moment, I know you're not supposed to be prideful, but I, I'm really proud of myself. Because about 10 years ago, I would have made her shorter than what she already was. <sighs> I say this with such joy. As you can tell, there's still a little bit of rub on this. But anyway, so the very first thing we need to do is, in, in being committed is to be humble. And, and and this is so very important to the outcome of our life. Our commitments are measured by our willingness. Listen to this: to endure the pain of not doing what our flesh demands or desires, but what our heart has promised. And, and our flesh, it's it's humility is is a really an act of self control. Because even when you've been wronged, I mean, Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's the son of God, never committed a sin, did nothing wrong, was absolutely perfect in every way. And just think about it, this for a moment, the power of self-control. We, we look at his body. It was beat up and pierced and bloody. But look at his soul for a moment when he looks down. In great agony and great pain, knowing that he was falsely hanging there, that he was falsely accused, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Wow. Those words may be the most powerful words in the Bible. Father, forgive them. Because if I'm hanging there, I'm calling angels. Thousands. And I'm going, okay, big boys, take this. And I'm coming down off here because I'm the son of God. I can pull these nails out, but it's doing this. I mean, he was all that and yet decided it was more important to be falsely accused and crucified than to be right. Because in not showing himself right, he was able to make all of us right or righteous. And so he was committed, not because he, he had to be, but because he desired to be. When I was a youth pastor, I had a lot of kids, I had about 1,000 kids in the youth group. And you guys, just take your two little kids at home and multiply that. Because about any given day of the week, you want to throw them out with the trash. I had a thousand of them. Thank you. I am absolutely convinced that I get a little bit of a pass to heaven just because of that. And I had to have a lot of youth leaders, volunteers, Yeah, how many people are stupid enough to volunteer? I mean, how many people are godly enough to want to volunteer to manage these? Literally, it was so big, I had to have police officers at my youth meeting. Because fights would break out. Oh, yeah. It's cool. Yeah, they would bring guns. and I still have a butterfly knife I took off of a kid that brought it to the altar and wanted to get saved. I was so glad he wanted to get saved. 357 Magnum in his car, a butterfly knife in his pocket, come that night to kill some people. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It was a great life. That was back when I was young, adrenaline high and <laughs> stupid. But I would always tell my youth leaders, because I knew working with kids, you know, a matter of fact, one night I, I had a kid that was so off the wall, I grabbed him around the throat, threw him up against the wall in the name of Jesus. And because I mean, it, was, it really was a, a very difficult task, but it was a fulfilling task. And, and I would tell them, I said, look, I want you, after I'd meet with them and I'd do monthly uh, new volunteer meetings, and I would say, the very first thing I want you to do when you're assigned a job on a Sunday night or Wednesday night, because I had youth meetings those nights, I said, I want you to make a mistake. They looked at me and they went, what do you mean? I said, make a mistake. I said, just get it over with because you're going to. So why don't you just go ahead and define a, your first mistake and just do it. And then that way, when you see that I'm just going to smile at you and say, now go sick him again next week, that you're going to be okay. Because it's humbling to make a mistake. Wouldn't you say? It's humbling. It's, it's like getting pulled over by a police officer in your neighborhood. And just so happens, everybody's out on the street that day. And you're like this. And they know it's you. You can't hide. And you feel like an idiot. Instead of standing up and saying, come and meet this officer. It's awesome. Come and join in with me. Humility says, I I don't care what you think. I'm going to make mistakes. I do make mistakes. I mean, it's all a part of it. I've told you the story before when I first got golf carts and had thousands of people in the church. That that a kid ran into not one car, but he ran into two. Jack, two cars up in a golf cart, and I think he thought I was going to kill him. I said, "So I." <laughs> Why? Because he made a mistake, and, and, and you know what? I, I didn't want him. I didn't want to shame him. I can promise you. <clears throat> What he did was enough. He didn't need me to tell him he was stupid and that he probably needed to learn to drive. He knew that. Wouldn't you say? It's not like, look at me. Nobody else did this today. I hit two cars. I'm all that in a bag of chips. So uh, it's, it's important that we, we see that humility keeps us from wanting to become a hero. See, God, God uses the humble to do heroic things. He uses the humble to do heroic things. But most people want to be heroes instead of be heroic. And they're very different. Hero begins to define who you are. Heroic defines what you do. That's a heroic act. You're not, just because you do a heroic act doesn't make you a hero. But the minute somebody does a heroic act, we turn them into a hero, which robs them of the humility that caused them to act heroically. Don't ask me to repeat that again. So... Here's the issue, is that most of the time we do what we do in hopes of appearing successful and appearing to be a hero, but the reality is all we're doing is operating in humility to touch as many people's lives as we can. So our commitment is not just about dying a hero's death, but being willing to be perceived as a living fool's life. Because God will ask us to do things that really make us scared. A man who has faith must be prepared not only to be a martyr, but to be a fool. So, you know, some of you don't serve. Some of you don't. You're not committed to yourself. You're not committed to anything except going to work. And you're only going to work to get a paycheck. You're not going to work to make a difference. But anywhere you work... You can make a difference in somebody's life. You're a light shining in darkness. If you're working at Brahms Ice Cream, don't just see yourself as an ice cream dipper. See you as a life flipper. You're there to serve people, and their lives can be different because of your joy behind the counter. And I'm going to tell you, you put a little bit of sweetness along with that little sweet ice cream, and i am telling you, you can make somebody's life really sweet. But, but you've got to be happy with what you do. And, and, and so the only thing some people are committed to is going to work. They're not committed to anything else. They're not committed to make their life better. They're not committed to growing. They're not committed to serving. They're not committed to church. They're not committed to God. They're not committed to anything. And, and, and let me just say this. I'm, I, I always say things I probably shouldn't say, but I'm going to say them because you're used to me saying things I'm not supposed to say. But some of you all are committed to church and some of you aren't. Some of you get up about one one Sunday a month and say, well, we probably ought to go to the house of God. Really love your commitment. I wish Jesus would come back and just tease a lot of people going, think you're going to go? Coming with me, you think? If I were to ask you right now, are you going to heaven? Do you think you're going to heaven? Well, tell me why you think you're going to heaven. That's the only time I'd really like to be Jesus is to mess with people. (laughs) Yeah, I think I might let you go. Hold it. Let me talk to the Father. Let me talk to the Holy Ghost. We're going to have a discussion while you sit over here and sweat bullets. (laughs) Because we live in a society that's not committed to much. Committed to wealth. Committed to position, to title, Instead of saying, I am committed to love the people Jesus gave his life for, I'm committed to serve the people that Jesus came to serve. I am committed to go out of my way to represent Christ. Yeah, there were no amens on that one, my brothers and sisters. <laughs> the one, oh, preach it, preach it. No, it's like, oh, God. Thank you. I like that. There you go. One person knows I'm right. The rest of y'all need to get saved. <laughs> Envision your best self. Be kind to yourself. Give yourself grace. And be patient. Amen. I tell my wife all the time, I said, be nice to you. If you're nice to you, see, there's a little bit of twist on this. If you're nice to you, I know you're going to be nice to me. There's <laughs> a little bit of self selfishness there because... People who are nice to themselves have a tendency to be nice to other people. But if you're walking around telling yourself how stupid you are and how brainless you are and how dumb that was, you will make it a point to tell everybody else the same thing because you've already told yourself, and in order for you to feel better about you, you have to make everybody else come down to your level. So at your stupidest moment, start bragging on somebody else. It'll change everything. stop chasing perfection. Get get comfortable with being uncomfortable. I'm very comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's so funny. I I am so blessed to have my five children and and Susan's four wonderful children, and they are such a blessing, and I love them to death. And uh, so Susan was on the phone with one of her daughters yesterday, and and her oldest daughter and I are very close. And uh, she, she calls me every year on my birthday like she's my own kid. And I just love her so much. And second daughter's very intelligent and very wonderful. Love her to death too. But she's a different type person. And so Susan was on the phone with her. And uh, she said, uh, oh, it's, it's Mark's birthday. And, and uh, you want to you say happy birthday? So she hands me the phone. And I said, well, here's that awkward mandatory happy birthday moment. And she lost it. She started laughing. I said, you know, because I thought, well, it wasn't your idea, but your mama wanted me to. But she did. She she usually texts me or something. But it was just one of those funny things that you just kind of look and go, I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. It's okay. And we just laughed about it. You can turn something that's very awkward and uncomfortable into a very great situation. So be comfortable being uncomfortable. Because most of the time you are uncomfortable. Especially when you find out when you get home, you got a spot on your shirt and your eyelashes funked <sighs> Why didn't you tell me I had something right here? Okay, so. Because <sighs> I wasn't comfortable. <laughs> Have a learner's mindset. Always be willing to learn. Don't create deadlines for your growth. By this time next year, I'm not going to get mad anymore. Oh, yeah, you will. And, and so you, you create this deadline, and when you don't meet that deadline, you're mad at yourself again. Listen, I still think things, say things, even up here, that I look and I go, why, why did that happen? But I'm fortunate to have Jesse on the front row. Pastor Jesse usually lets me know when I say something stupid. <laughs> Never says anything to me, but he goes like this. And I know I probably need to repent and move on. He's he's a great friend. So kind and so, but he's not afraid to let me know in his own way yeah, Pastor, that probably gonna bite you. You're not what you feel, you are what you say, you will do what you believe. So, you need to first say, my feelings don't control my life or my responses. Like I said, I, will, I felt like reaching out and grabbing this young little owner's daughter by the throat and saying, you need to grow up or somebody's going to take you out. Now, that's what I felt. And you say, well, is, was that right? I'm not saying it was right. But every pastor in America today wants you to believe they never have those feelings, and they do. We do, just like you. But they're not going to stand up and talk about it. I am. i will to stand up here and tell you every now and then, I just want to send somebody into eternity prematurely. <laughs> and, and, you know, is, is it okay to want to do that? Well, really not, but it'd even be worse if I succeeded at it. So I can't meditate on it. I can't think about it. I have to address it and say, no, no, be the light of the world. And you say, well, that's hypocrisy because you feel one way and you do something else. No, that's called wisdom. Because I know how I'm supposed to behave. I know what I'm supposed to say. And and I'm going to say what I know I need to say and behave the way I know I need to behave. Even though I could be justified in the world's eyes because that's what that's what we do as human beings. Well, they deserved it because of what they did to you. No, no. That's not how Jesus works. If somebody does something stupid to you, that does not justify you doing something stupid back. What what you have to do is what Jesus did hanging on the cross, "Father, forgive them for they know not what they do." Second thing is be hungry. Humility's great. But you have to have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. You have to hunger to be like Jesus. You can't just want to be like Jesus. You, you, you be like Jesus. Uh, even being hungry to be like Jesus is difficult to even be close to Jesus. But, but when you get hungry to say, God, I so much of me want to be, be righteous because you're in me. I had a book publisher that wanted to publish... My story. And uh, I met with them, and, and I, I, the book is written in seven one inch binders filled with my story for one year. And I'm sitting with this publisher and said, Well, you know, what's your greatest regret? And I said, My greatest regret, and I began to weep as I was telling her, My greatest regret is for the people who will abandon me and never, ever see the best version of Mark Crow that ever lived. I said, because this changed my life. And I said, I'm going to be a better person because I was not a good person, and I'm going to be a better person. And what makes me sad is the people who have decided to reject me and say bye to me, that some of them still in this city that have already judged me, and I'm not mad at them. I'm just saying it breaks my heart that they will never see the best version of me because now I'm hungry. I'm not hungry to grow a big church, though I'm hungry to reach as many people as I can. It's not about the size of the church. It's about the, the size of the audience that allows me to share grace and mercy and love from the platform of my own experience, not theory. So don't throw people out. Jesus never throws anybody away. But people throw people away only because not they're mean, they're not evil, but because they're so insecure and dishonest with themselves that they get around somebody who's fallen, they're afraid that their failures will be illuminated in the, in, in the midst of a person who has nothing to lose because they've already lost everything. And everybody hangs on so tightly. To what we possess instead of the one who possesses us. I want to hang on tightly to the one who possesses me. Not the stuff that I possess. And so it's so important that we're hungry. William Carey, a great missionary, said, I can plod, I can perceive or persevere in any definite pursuit. To this, I owe everything. I can plod, I can persevere in any Definite pursuit. To this I owe everything. He was hungry. In today's world, if we don't get what we want quickly, we quit. If we, if we don't like the person we're with and they don't change over five or ten years, guess what? Let me. You know what I found out? Sometimes we want somebody else to change to suit us when in reality God's trying to get us to change instead of them to change. And if I change, I don't need you to change. Because I can change, I can endure all things through Christ. So if you want to be an idiot, I'm okay. I want you to change and not be an idiot. But if you stay an idiot and I change, that means I can adjust to your stupidity. I know I'm being really raw. I could say this a lot better. But this is Mosaic. Mosaic. Think about the the guy that laid paralyzed at the pool of Bethesda. And uh, he couldn't, every time the waters were disturbed, the first people in got, got healed. He could never get there because he was paralyzed. But here's what intrigues me about this story. Not the miracle that Jesus said, take up your mat and walk. That's not the miracle to me. The miracle is that this man kept coming to that pool day in and day out. Because he was hungry. He was committed. I'm going to be, one day, I'm going to be the person I want to be. I'm going to get up from here. I'm going to make it. Now, it doesn't say that in the Bible, but I'm thinking, why would the guys show up every day after about six months if you're an American after six days? Well, I'll just go to another pool. Somebody, somebody come and carry me to another pool and you go from one resort pool to another resort pool and Jesus is back at the one you were originally at see some of y'all will quit just because you're not happy with something instead of changing to be happy without something else changing and I am preaching to me right now so I hope y'all getting some of it You know, there there are always things that we think are going to be better if we just could get it somewhere else. You know, you, the old saying is, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. And everybody's trying to go to the other side instead of find a water hose. Sprinkle your own side. Then lastly, and this one is really important. So... Be humble, be hungry, but most of all, be human. Be human. For some reason, we all want to be God or like God. I don't want to be either. I just want to know God. (laughs) And because if I know God, he takes care of everything. Those who know their God shall do exploits, not those who are like their God, but those who know their God. If you know your God, you'll automatically want to be like your God because you know your God. So quit trying to be like God and start just knowing God. And when you know God and you know that God is love, you'll probably have some level of success at loving other people because you know God. You see, I'd rather change the core of my being and then out of the core which we live, everything comes out. But if I try to change my behavior instead of the core of my heart from where I live... I will fail most of the time because I'm just trying to act out something that's not in me. But if something gets in me, when I talk about love, I know people say, I know I should love. And, and they actually do on the surface, but they're miserable in their heart because love betrays who they really are. But if you have love in your heart and you love other people even when they're mean to you, you have no, uh, you have no problem because it's coming out of the core of your being. You don't expect somebody else to respond to your love. You're responding to the love of God. That's what you're doing. And if somebody doesn't respond to your love, it doesn't matter because that's who you are. You see, that's the reason God doesn't go around getting mad that people don't love him because he is love. And it doesn't matter. I mean, it does matter because he loves people. But he's not moved by the lack of love and disrespect shown to him by people who don't believe in him because he knows who he is. And he says, I'm love, so I can't be anything or do anything but love because I am love. Well, if you have love in you, you can't do anything but love because love is in you. It's not even work when somebody pulls out in front of you, and this is another sin that I have to deal with. (laughs) I I mean, I I need a lot. I need to grow a little bit more in love behind the wheel. Pray a little harder, yeah. (laughs) Live a little stronger. Be committed to work through your humanity and all its weaknesses. Be committed to that. You. See what I'm saying? You. If you really love people and you understand service, I don't even have to ask you to sign up to serve in this church. But I have to because I'm addressing you and your behavior and I need you. But more than I need you, you need to have service and love in your heart to do something for other people. Susan's always talk about retiring, and I say, I can't retire from this. I have too much in my heart to serve people and love people. If you, I would, and this is not a negative confession. It's just a truth, and you can even look it up. People who retire prematurely and have no purpose in their heart die prematurely. Purpose is what wakes us up in the morning. What can I do to help other people? What can I do to serve other people? I told her, I said, if you die, I'll become a missionary full-time 24-7. I said, because I I can't live without just serving people. I can't live without preaching and telling the greatest story ever told. See, I I have something every day to wake up to thinking every Sunday, y'all expect me to say something right and to say something stupid. And I never fail you. And so, but but it comforts you to know he is just so human, just like us. Our pastor is just like us. Yeah, sometimes not even as good as you. But there's one thing that I can promise you. I love God with all of my heart, soul, mind and strength and I love you as much as I possibly can. And that makes me happy. So here you go, be human. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. This is the Apostle Paul. I will boast of things that show my weakness. and That's that's the path I'm on in my life now, is I boast of things that show my weakness. Not to get you to feel sorry for me, but to get you to identify with me that it's okay that you have weakness. That's your humanity. That reminds me every time I'm weak how much I desperately need God. But if I'm always great and perfect, why would I need God? I'm doing great on my own. But then my humanity flares up. (laughs) And I go, I really do need God. (laughs) Be committed to work through your humanity and all of its weaknesses. God uses humans, not heroes. But our commitment can cause us to do heroic things. Don't, listen to this, this is key. Don't try to not fail most people live their whole life fearing failure quit because you fail more times than you're willing to admit and so have i i don't live my life saying boy i can't fail i can't make that mistake i live my life in pursuit of god success is not defined by how we measure up to others but how we measure up to the effort and commitment that we have in christ Don't interfere with good people's lives. Don't try to get them the best of them. No matter how many times you trip them up, God-loyal people don't stay down long. Soon they're up on their feet while the wicked end up flat on their faces. No man is worth his salt who is not ready at all times to risk his well-being, to risk his body, to risk his life in a great cause. You will make mistakes. I have preached some sermons that I wish I had never preached. They were so bad. And people come up and go, That sermon changed my life. I say, You weren't listening to me. That's impossible. That's the worst sermon I've ever preached in my life. We're deep sixing that one. That's not going on YouTube. That's not going on anything. That's going straight to hell but it changed my life. And God does that to me so he can say, look, Mark, you think this has one thing to do about you? You could preach a sorriest sermon and I'm talking to them because I know it's sorry and they need something and I'm gonna give it to them even without you. That's the goodness of God. And I close with this, I think. Stop leaving and you will arrive. Stop searching and you will see. Stop running away and you will be found. We put so much energy and human effort into something that's absolutely supernatural and spiritual. God loves you, God loves this entire planet, God loves the people you can't stand. Therefore, we are called to love the people we can't stand. And everybody in this place today has somebody they cannot stand. And and some of you are going, someone? I got a list. You can't change them, but the fact that you can't stand them could be what ignites change in you. God, help me love the people I can't stand. Help me be kind to the people who are mean to me. This is when I talk about being committed. Step up your commitment. Folks, I shouldn't have to ask anyone in this place to serve this church. You ought to be looking for a place to serve. Mm -hmm. And there's no condemnation in what I'm saying. But you're frustrated and this is what happens when I talk about commitment and serving I know I anger people who know they should be but they're not and I would love to apologize for that but that too would be wrong because as a pastor I'm called to provoke you to do the things you don't want to do so you can experience the things you want to experience nobody loves me well who have you been loving nobody ever serves me who have you been serving nobody's ever kind to me who are you being kind to Nobody ever gives me anything. Who do you give something to? It's the law, a principle of sowing and reaping. And you start serving, you'll have people serving you. You start giving, you'll have people giving to you. You start loving, you'll have people loving on you. You start being kind, you'll have people start being kind to you. These are principles. So, step up your commitment, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for stepping up your commitment to humanity or at least showing us your commitment by giving your only son who never sinned once to die on the cross for us. Jesus, thank you for being committed to me. Committing to me. Committed to me. A sinner. A horrible sinner. But you were so committed to me that you gave your life. And not only did you give your life, But you rose from the dead, and even as I speak, you're at the right hand of your Father and my Father interceding for me when I fail, when I'm stupid, when I make mistakes. You're not telling him that. You're saying, I gave my life for Mark. I died for him, and I rose from the the dead for him. Let's show him grace. Let's show him love. Let's show him mercy. every head bowed, every eye closed, and those of you watching online, and watching on podcasts, YouTube, whatever it is, whenever you're watching this, know this, God loves you. And I want you to pray this prayer with me, just surrendering your life to him. Say, Father God, thank you so much for giving your only son to die for me. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to text the word saved if you weren't saved you felt separated from God to 405-500-1310 just text the word saved 405-500-1310 hello this is Pastor Mark Crow I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online we hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30am and 11am or join us online God bless you.